Hello, and welcome to the USMNT Bros Podcast, a show where me and my brother discuss the recent week of USMNT news and decide on whether or not it actually applies to USMNT. Hello, and welcome back to the USMNT Bros Podcast. I'm here with Nathan. Uh, Today we have a pretty packed show. We had the Olympic squad preliminary roster announced. Um, We had a couple injuries and a lot of European players playing in the Champions and Europa Leagues. So we got a lot lot to go over today. Nathan, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for uh, organizing again and excited to chat about everything we've got coming up. Yes, uh, we have a we have a lot to talk about. Um, so we can go right into it because um, back a, a surprise person who was left off the January camp, Caden um, Clark, um, was signed to New York Red Bulls as that homegrown player this past season, um, and really impressed. Did really well. Um, what what is going on with him, Nathan? It, it's strange. So this is, I think, A, a good thing, and B, maybe potentially worrying. Um, but obviously did super well in his debut season, is moving to uh, Leipzig, uh, RB Leipzig, in, when he turns 18. I think that's a year and a half from now. Um, so obviously, you know, seeing a, a guy with a lot of potential, um, and impressed uh, in his MLS season, as you said, uh, but was not called into the January roster. So, A, I think, good sign of the times, right? You think of, when you think of the biggest footballing nations on earth, um, you think of, you know, France, you think of England, you think of Brazil, like Argentina, like the only 17-year-olds, did he just, yeah, he just turned 17, right? The Uh, only 17-year-olds. The only 17-year-olds who are getting, you know, called into those squads are, like, the Kylian Mbappes of the world, who are, like, the next um, world beaters. Like, the next Messi, the next Ronaldo, the next number one player in the world. Those are the types of players that are getting called into those top, top teams. So, in a way, I think it's kind of a a sign of the times for the United States, a changing of the guard a little bit, where we're not just because... You know, some 17-year-old kid shows really well in the MLS. Um, you know, everybody remembers Freddie Adu. Um, doesn't mean he's auto- automatically going to get uh, crowned um, as, as, as a men's national team player. Uh, so I think a good thing, but but certainly strange, as this is, our, this is really the first case where that, that argument could be made. Um, and obviously, we'll we'll get to this a little later. He's called into the uh, Olympic squad, which uh, I think is a good thing, but certainly raised my eyebrows. Uh, what about you, Alex? I think it's just certainly weird that, you know, with this roster, they had the senior players, and then they had, I mean, like you said, he was called into that Olympic preliminary squad, which we're going to get to later. Um, and they had, like, that extra people they called him for that. Um, and he wasn't called in for that. Like, I think, like you said, it is a good thing that, like, just a 17-year-old who played half a season um, is not being overhyped. Speaking of Freddie Adu, you see he 
signed, he uh, got signed again. Did it? Well, I thought I saw he was signed and then got cut. Oh, he did? Okay, I, like, I may have not seen that he got cut. Oh yeah, my gosh. I... <laughs> he did. Oh, Freddy. Yeah. That makes me sad. So he's not getting called in. No, he is not getting called in. Oh, darn. I, I, I saw him getting signed in Sweden. I was like, oh, man, maybe uh, maybe he'll have something. Maybe, maybe he'll actually be able to play him, but oh, that's sad. Anyhow, that, oh, oh, besides the point, Um, but, like, that we're not calling in just a 17-year-old who had, like, four months of really good play. Um, But it does surprise me. I mean, I don't know. Was Freddie Adu really worse than some of the players who never saw any action? I mean, I think it's so easy to use Freddie to do as, like, a golden calf, you know? Um, like, especially when it comes to overhyping young players, like, it's so easy to point to Freddie Adu. I mean, in, in the same vein, you know, I, I'm not saying Caden Clark, Clark is Christian Pulisic, but we're... Pulisic basically established himself as a starter and one of the first names on the USMNT team sheet um, back in 2018, um, like the World Cup qualifying, like as a 17, 18-year-old. So um, I think it's easy to kind of look back at Freddie Adu and say, oh, well, you don't want to overhype a player too much, but I don't know. You, uh, an argument could be made both ways. Um, is there something bigger going on? Um, you know, that we who don't get to see Caden Clark up close and personal, um, that's actually happening. Um, is is it like we've been saying, maybe a sign of the times that we're not pulling those people in? Um, too soon to tell, um, that's for sure. But a good thing to see him on the uh, qualifying roster for the Olympics. Yeah, another, another person who um, was actually called into the January camp but um, came down with COVID, uh, Frankie Amaya of FC Cincinnati, um, our hometown. Um, do you, what do you make of Frankie Amaya and his national team picture? Um, I, feel like, I feel like he has to be looking on the outside in, but do you have any thoughts on that? I don't. So, yeah, obviously, uh, as you mentioned, we're... Um, Cincinnati homers and FC Cincinnati fans. It's a it's a tough lifestyle, but you know we make it work. We make it work. Um, with Amaya putting in that trade request, saying he saying basically he feels like Cincinnati's not going to get him to the national team, which is uh, his ambition. You know, it's great to see that ambition, but um, having watched a little bit of FC Cincinnati um, as much as you possibly can. Um, and knowing the attacking talent we have, you know, I, I would assume he, Frankie Amaya, if he were to make it into the national team, would uh, would um, be looking to get one of those attacking, more attacking-minded midfield roles. I, we just have so much talent ahead of him. We just talked about Kate Clark. Like, I, I think Amaya's ceiling's limited, and I don't know that he could ever break it. Um, and certainly, you know, a huge missed opportunity for him missing out on January camp. Yeah, I was, so honestly, looking, I was looking at um, who was on that uh, team back in Trinidad and Tobago um, that Caden Clark did not get over. One, Benji Michelle, um, 
who, I mean, I get he's young. He is on also on that Olympic preliminary roster, along with Frankie Amaya. Um, but, like, I am not impressed with Frankie Amaya. I'll, I'll just be honest. And I, I know there are plenty of people who praise Frankie Amaya for his work rate or for his, I don't know, that he's a hard worker. But, I mean, the, the dude doesn't really have a um, defined position event like an FC Cincinnati. Like, he's going to play, but is he a 6? Is he an 8? Is he a 10? Um, like, he doesn't, he hasn't made himself elite in any of those. He's just kind of a guy that runs around and works hard and puts in a tackle. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know why Caden Clark would not, in the first place, be called in over Amaya back in January. Um, I mean, I don't really know Benji Michelle super well, so I'm not going to speak too much on that. But especially Frankie Amaya. Not very high on him for the U.S. team. Yeah, it's... I don't, I don't know that I rate him very highly either. And, um, you know, another thing talking about big footballing nations, it's like you, you know, you pull those nations, pull players in and they certainly try to develop and, you know, if that succeeds or fails, but you, you have to make decisions on who you're going to call in. You can't call in everybody. Um, and to me, Frankie Amaya is one of those guys, right? Like if he wants to develop into a national team player, it's going to be, it's going to have to come completely outside of the national team uh like greg berhalter's not going to call frankie amaya in because oh we think he can be a really good player and do some really good things for us um, we think like he, he can we think he can back up weston mckinney <laughs> yeah yeah i maybe a a terrible impersonation of weston mckinney but <laughs> to be fair to amaya you know who could do a good impre- weston mckinney impression uh, today but um yeah definitely outside looking in um, and as a Cincinnati fan, very kind of funny to see that trade request come in, basically um, trashing the club a little bit. Not that they don't deserve some trashing, but uh, but there's bluer skies internally. Yes, exactly. Hopefully, um, yeah. Looking at um, this U.S. Olympic qualifying um, preliminary roster, it's 48 on there. Um, some names that I am not the most aware of um, on here, but um, any names that really call out to you that you are happy on there, kind of sad to see on there? I mean, so nothing that nothing really jumps out at me when I look at this. Um, you know, obviously, I mean, all these guys are kind of who we'd expect. I mean, everybody left off, you know you'd kind of expect them to be left off, like Pulisic, McKinney, Adams, um, even like Daryl DK. Like, you expect all of them to be left off because they're club situations, mm-hmm. um, given that this is not a mandatory um, release. Um, I don't even know the proper term. Um, interesting to see Chris Gloucester, um, I guess, is really the only name that I'd call out. Obviously, Chris Gloucester. There were high, high hopes for Chris Gloucester, and um, he is uh, mightily struggling um, over at PSV. Um, and, you know, the, I really feel like the only reason Chris Gloucester's even kind of on here is just the weak um, left back pool. So, yeah. um, but he's really the only one I, I would I would say um, 
is really worth calling out on here. Nothing surprising. Um, you and I talked about this earlier. Um, Efrain Alvarez called. He was on both the U.S. and Mexico rosters, so um, the time to make the decision is now. Yeah. I, I know we were talking uh, earlier before the show, we were talking about um, some of the European players who got released. Um, like like you said, like this is not that mandatory release for the international break. Um, so clubs have the option to like keep them. Um, so a couple of the European players who did get released uh, is Conrad De La Fuente. Um, like I said, Chris Gloucester got released. Um, Ulysses Lanes. Um, there's one more down here. Oh yeah, Sebastian Soto got released. Um, he's back to Norwich um, after some time in the Netherlands. Um, and Brian Reynolds, um, who just made that move over to Roma. Um, for me, I'm really worried about the club situation. Seeing that like De La Fuente and Yuli Lanes are released from their clubs. And it's not like, I don't know, like what does that outlook look like for those two players at those clubs? I know people already complain about Yuli Lanes um, not really getting a shot over at Wolfsburg. Um, people complain about Conrad not getting a shot over in Barca um, and that struggling side right now. Um, and then also Sebastian Soto, who just got recalled, um, being basically immediately allowed to leave in the middle of the season. Yeah, I mean, you kind of, you don't really wonder what's going on with Conrad. You know exactly what's going on with Conrad. Um, he, I, honestly, it's probably a good thing that Conrad got released, uh, in my opinion, you know, riding pine for Barca or playing, or, you know, playing a ton of minutes for Barca B. They aren't, you know, that's not the best thing in the long run for Conrad is he's not probably a Barca player. Um, he's he'll be a great professional i think but um you know barcelona has its own standard um that is a lofty standard um so not really worried about conrad yuli lana's that's a little bit worrying especially because i don't remember i don't know that he ended up getting released from his kieran Veen uh loan but that's like not going well especially being a club where you expect that he gets a lot of playing time that's it's frustrating uh soto yeah that's a little worrying but i mean they've got pookie uh norwich city does as their main striker maybe they just want to get soto in um they just want to get soto in training with the team so he'll be ready to go next year and obviously i mean one of the big things is if a, a guy's not really going to be playing, if he can go star in the Olympics, you know, that, that bumps their transfer value. Um, not saying that any of those guys are guaranteed to get transferred, but alternative motivation. And then Brian Reynolds, I don't know that we'll see him with Roma this year. And I think this release makes that sound a little bit more likely that it's a year. Uh, it's not until next season, I guess, uh, that we would maybe see him uh, in a Roma jersey. Yeah, I'm with you on the the Soto one and Reynolds are less worrying to me. That Julianus, I didn't realize he was still um, in the Netherlands. Um, I was looking like he's barely played at all this season over there. Um, definitely just a little. I mean, we know how much talent he has. Um, I think we've seen that. Like a little worrying that he's 
not gain those minutes. Um, but hopefully this. Sorry. The last like word on. Yeah, sorry. No, I was going to say last word on like Lana's there for me is like too. Like he looks so good in a national team jersey, like physically and as a soccer player. You know, he just he looks great. He's never for a player his age. He's he's done so well for the senior team, and that's to kind of that's so surprising that it's not translating for some reason with uh with any club. I mean, Wolfsburg's a great a great side, so might be a little unfair um, to expect it there. But Pirovine uh, in the Netherlands, you'd you'd hope that he could break through there. Yeah, I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm not exactly sure what the Dutch table looks like. Um, I know they're not a top top team there, but yeah, I'm gonna look that up real quick. Like what position they're in? Uh, they're in tenth, so they're basically right in the middle. I mean, yeah, you'd hope that you would be getting a little more looks on a mid-table team in the Netherlands at this point in his career. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not a. Uh, maybe it's unfair to expect him to be like a one hundred percent, you know, first name on the team sheet guy. But you would hope, you know, he rotates in as a starter and pretty much gets minutes um, every game. But I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, all right, looking forward. Um, Jordan Morris came off with a. ACL injury. Um, what does this mean for his career with the with the U.S. national team? I mean, one never count Jordan Morris out. You know, he tore his ACL once uh, and has come back and honestly been a significantly better player. Um, so you know, hopefully that trend continues. But gosh, it's so hard to be positive when you just tear your second ACL. I mean. The time by the time he comes back, right from his ACL, we're well into World Cup qualifying. Is he able to work his way back into the team? Hi, it's it's hard to say. He's it's going to be a two year period for him, I think, to work his way back in the team because of the people who were pushing him from behind. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about last episode the the guys pushing him. And I don't know. It's hard to see this. Like I said, he's come back before. So I'm, I wouldn't necessarily uh, um, dead cap it as the end of his national team career. But a lot of questions. A lot of questions. What do you think? Uh, I'll go. First off, I was looking at the uh, here and being roster. And Sam Young is now playing there. Remember him? FC Cincinnati. Yeah, what a he was horrible for us. Um, anyhow, um, but honestly, I think I think this is the end for Jordan Morris and the the national team. I think uh, he's currently 26, has two ACL injuries. Um, yes, he did come back um, as a better player, better technically, tactically. Um, but I mean, just that. I feel like what really set him apart in our pool is that threat in behind on the wing um, with that speed and coming from two ACL tears. um, Like, I just, 
I, I think with him, he like like you said, in like two years is really when he'll be making his push back into the squad. He'll be 28 by then. Um, Tim White will be 23. Will Lanas will be 22, 20, 21. Um, like there's like there's this those next men up will be a lot more mature. Hopefully, a lot more um, active in their um, squad. Like I just. I don't see how you come back from a second ACL um, and be just a mainstay in the U.S. national team picture. Yeah, it's it's really tough, um, and absolutely gutted for him because it's terrible. Yeah, you know the uh, the way that your kind of career ends. You know, you think of what what was the injury that kind of took Kobe Bryant's skill uh, officially. I forget. Was it an ACL? I forget. It kind of not Jordan Morris is the Kobe Bryant of soccer, but um, kind of comparing, um, you you saw a major injury kind of bring the end of Kobe's reign as a superstar, um, superstar basketball player, not necessarily superstar personality, but you've got to think it's all the more for Jordan Morris. Yeah, I. I, I hope I hope he's able to come back and push. I mean, I'm so happy he took the chance of like going over to England and pushing himself in that. Um, hopefully he can come back um, from that ACL and push back into the team. Um, Worst possible thing for Seattle, by the way. Yes. Oh man. But that's but, a different point. The, the the scary thing is, you know, Seattle is going to be just just somehow still great next year and pushing for the top spot. Yeah, yeah, they've got a great great team out there. But all right, moving on, we got um, we got some rumors flying around. Um, Kristen Pulisic um, is out of favor, it seems, at uh, at Chelsea. I was to- uh, under Thomas. T- t- I'm going to mess up his name. You guys say it. Thomas Tuchel. Boom. Thomas Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel. Um, Pulisic is out, it seems to be out of favor over there. Um, there's some rumors that he might be heading over to Bayern Munich um, over back in Germany. Um, Nathan, what, what do you make of these? Is, is, is Bayern a good move for Christian? So I, I don't know. I go so many different ways, right? First of all, Bayern's a fantastic team. They're in Germany, where they're just, you know, they're they're the best team in Europe, probably the best team, not the best, not probably the best team in the world. They're the best team in the world in my mind. Um, hey, they just won the uh, Club World Cup, so. I I mean, well, they're reigning uh, Champions League champions as well. Um, so, you know. They, and they play in um, in Germany, which is a good league, but like it's a great place for Christian to go get some confidence back, especially at Bayern. Um, but at the same time, personally, I just want to see I want to see Christian stick it out and persevere at Chelsea. Christian's a world in my mind. Christian's a world class player. Uh, he's got to stick it out. Um, at Chelsea and, and earn his minutes. Um, and to give a quick shout as well, we're recording during the uh, Champions League game today. Um, I think it's three subs in the Champions League right now. Um, I think they switched back to that. 
Pulisic was not uh, subbed on. Um, so a little bit more of the potentially out of favor um, in that sense. Um, but Christian what do you was think? just Would was actually just subbed move? on. They have five subs. Christian was just subbed okay. on. Oh, he was. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, he just took out Timo Werner. That's uh, hey, two goals, uh, two goals formation is frustrating too. I think as we've seen Pulisic be such a dangerous left wing, um, where he doesn't really have a true left wing or he doesn't have true wingers. Um, they're pretty, pretty much attacking midfielders or second forwards. Um, to where Christian would be playing us, but like I said, I I kind of want him to stick it out, um, prove his quality. Yeah, I I agree with you, and I think if if he does move, and if Byron is the one calling, I don't. Uh, is is it Kingsley Coman that's willing to leave? It's Kingsley Coman, yes. right? Yes, it's Kingsley Coman. Um, he's looking at as the replacement for him. I mean, I I think Byron just plays such a style that Christian would thrive in, and like especially with like a Kingsley Coman role. Um. Like being able to be very direct down the wing, um, like I think, I mean, if 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 he's able to be there and get the playtime that um, he honestly, I feel like he deserves, um, that'd be great. But um, to your point, um, I feel like I, I feel like the U S national team fans have a very um, quick reaction to any adversity to a player. Like we saw it with Christian Pulisic at Dortmund, he's like they were immediately like he needs to leave. Like we've seen it with, um, we've seen it with Connor. We saw it with Tim Weah, and obviously the, those people did leave. But we've also seen it with like Josh Sargent um, about just people complaining that he's not being used right. Um, like I think at some point we have to realize that Christian Pulisic needs to show his toughness like it's not like being over in Europe is just like some dilly-dallying around Europe like he needs to really show his toughness and show that like he's gonna fight for a team uh spot on a team and like if he's being challenged in that you know like he needs to actually like show that I think we as fans need to encourage that too 100 percent um I mean it, I, it should probably be noted too hey it's February so it's not not movement time right now, um, not transfer time right now. Um, and second, it came out of a Spanish newspaper. Um, obviously, in soccer, there's a lot of just totally bogus um, things going in the rumor mill. So this could just be total uh, total crap. I mean, this, uh, my understanding as well is that Pulisic was more of a Roman Abramovich buy rather than a... Um, who was sorry was the the manager when at the time, was, yeah, yeah, when he was originally bought and loaned. Um, so I think too we might be looking at um, Christian falling out of favor a little too with Tuchel a little bit too uh, too heavily because he he did he does seem to have been a, a Roman Abramovich by. Um, you know, you, you don't just build your squad for the manager, but you, you're building your spot, squad for eight years down the line where, you know, Tuchel's not likely to be at Chelsea eight, in eight years, um, especially given how Chelsea fires managers. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, and also, 
to note that he apparently he he had some injury concerns. He's had um, some family um, issues that he's tended to. So like there have been other things that have him being outside the team. So it does kind of make sense thinking of it that way um, for him to be taking some time off and for other players to have gotten that time and as he's building um, back into the squad. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And hopefully he returns to form and um, is unable to be shot out of the squad before before the summer window. So Now we're going to the overreaction segment. Um, so we had a lot of players playing um, over in Europe this this week and weekend. Um, a big notable story was um, Barcelona getting um, just absolutely destroyed by PSG. Mbappe scores a hat trick. Um, who he was on the same side as Serginho Dest, um, and Mbappe just honestly made that Barcelona defense look pretty silly. Um, so are we, are we too confident in Dest's ability um, as that starting right back role? I, I mean, for me, it's no. Um, you know, Mbappe is a... When, when Messi and Ronaldo retire, um, it's hard to see any, anyone other uh, as the king of uh, soccer other than Mbappe. Um, and, you know, Mbappe was in his bag that game. Uh, and no one's stopping the best players in the world um, when they're in their bag. And he just happened to be in his bag. And, and honestly, Des, as a whole, did not do super poorly. The goals, I mean, yes, you're always going to take the majority of the blame. The two goals he left, um, or the two goals um, that Mbappe scored, well, Des was on at right back, um, were not completely Des' fault, to be totally fair. Yeah. Obviously, he does deserve blame for it. Uh, but. Not totally Dest's fault. Um, but we're also, we don't, we know Dest is not a great defender right now. We The reason Dest is the number one uh, for USMNT is not because he can shut down Mbappe, but it's because he can overlap with whoever's on the right wing and he can beat uh, any other outside back technically. He can beat anyone on the field. Um, he's got that winger quality in him um, and is great going forward. So, I, he's not. I don't think we're too confident in him in terms of a national team perspective, but maybe it needs to be a little bit of a reality check um, in terms of expectations for him as a starting defender for Barcelona going up against some of the best players in the world. Yeah, I I agree with you on the um, on the reality check part of it. Um, I think obviously Barcelona is in this weird middle uh, rebuilding period. Um, and he is a big part of that rebuild. Um, but I, I also think, I think it's, it's very good for fans to note that he is not, like, that stud defender that, um, that, like, I, I feel like we, we use that we would normally have on that uh, right side. Or just in the past, like, our defense usually being, um, a high quality, a high, a big quality of the U.S. national team. Um, but going forward, um, I think it really does need to be taken into consideration. Um, 
how much of a liability he can be at that right back position. Um, back like three, four years ago, the conversation was, is DeAndre Yedlin a good enough defender? And a lot of the answers were like, no, he's not. And we saw him get burned, like not only for, for um, Newcastle, but um, being a liability on that back post, but um, in the U.S. national team jersey, um, there were many goals where he just turned off on that back post. Um, and there were a lot of questions about that. Um, I think it's just really important that it's made aware. He's still young and has the time to develop that defensive ability. But um, going forward, like we need to be more aware of um, that he has that weakness, honestly, that another team could exploit. Absolutely. All right, there's another, and that striker conversation, um, Jordan Sabachu. Um, forgot about him. Um, I remember him denying that call up in 2018 under um, Dave Sirachin. But um, he's a dual national um, with the U.S. and France. Um, he's on loan um, from France. He's currently playing Sweden uh, and Switzerland, um, excuse me, for. For young boys, um, he scored twice against Leverkusen. In the last 10 games, he has scored 10 goals. Um, he has expressed some desire to come play for U.S. if he gets called up. Um, do you, if, if he does switch to the U.S. and gets a call up, do you see him pushing for that starting position they want? Uh, I don't, personally. He's, to me... Is he maybe better than a Luca Del Torre? Yeah, I'd, I mean, probably. But, like, he's 24. He's, yeah, he's a good goal scorer. But we, he's he's not someone that would need to come in and start right away. We're not that desperate um, that we're going to call in someone like that uh, to, to switch and be a starter for us. So, I mean, I honestly don't even see him pushing into the team. Um, it's hard for him, hard to find, you know, a time for him, right? So um, he's not Olympic eligible, so couldn't be called into that Olympic squad. Um, and, okay, so now we're talking March friendlies before we get into World Cup qualifiers. That's when he could break in, right? Uh, I mean, you want to see Sergeant. We didn't get to see Sergeant in November. You definitely want to see Sergeant. Sergeant's called in. Uh, and then who else are you going to take? You could take... You know, you could pull in someone like Zardes, and then you have a whole host of young uh, forwards over in Europe, um, from Giacchini to um, Matthew Hoppy to uh, Sebastian Soto. Are you going to call in, um, yeah, Jordan Sebachu? Sebachu? I don't know how to say it. Um, are you going to call him in over them? this close in no i i don't think so i think you call in matthew hoppy because he's you know he's earned the right to uh to at least see what he's got um heading heading into qualifiers so i don't even know there's a path into the team for him and then then you start talking about okay after the world cup then after this world cup cycle is there room for him i mean he'd have to look really good um and our other guys all the other fours would have to look like they're not panning out before I'd say yes to him. See, that 
what surprises me, one, I feel like he is more of a that poacher that we that we were talking about last week. Um, that poacher type striker. Um, he's clearly been raided by uh, the U.S. soccer organization. Um, like they've been in contact with him. Um, and like he and he's scoring. You know, like. I said this last week, the one thing that I feel like we don't really have coming off the bench right now is someone who is old, is older with the experience and is scoring in Europe right now. And he is scoring in Europe. Like, Bayern Leverkusen's not a bad team. Um, I, I would say I don't think he would be in the conversation as a starter, mostly because he has not gelled with the team but to not invite him in as I don't know even like as a third striker or just put him in that attacking conversation I think I mean I think Giacchini he's playing the second league like I think someone playing in Switzerland uh, in Switzerland bagging two goals against um Leverkusen like in my mind has more of a reason to be called into the full team squad than a league two striker I mean, I agree in the moment too, but yeah, I, I still just struggle to see where where his time to break in is. You know, you probably call in two forwards, maybe three um, in the March camp, and I just if it's two, I don't see how you call him in, and then I don't really. You're not, you know, you're not getting three forwards on the field in two games and giving them a fair amount of playing time especially when you need to see Sargent. Like, you need to give Sargent probably over 90 minutes in uh, in our March games. That's fair. I agree with the Sargent point. But would you call Hoppy in over Sabachu right now? Yeah. Would you call Soto in over him? I mean... Probably, I think it's more important for us to nail Soder down than it is to uh, get Sabatio. So, I mean, for me, this is a total overreaction. Uh. Fair. Well, hey, it's 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 part it's part of the segment, right? Absolutely, part of the segment. All right, all right. Moving on. Uh, Daryl DK has played a few games for Barnsley. Has Received some high praise um, in his in his first start um, in his last couple games. Um, do you, is he closer to that starting nine role than we originally gave him credit for? I mean, for me, for me, no. Um, he, I mean, he's done pretty well over at Barnsley. Not, not flying. He's not uh, passing with flying colors or anything. Uh, but you know, he's doing well and. Um, I think this is a good place for him to develop and kind of test himself. And even if it doesn't, even if he never looks, even if he never looks the way we'd hope he does uh, over in the championship, uh, I think this will at least be a good learning experience for him um, that, you know, will help him out a ton um, in in two years, potentially, um, when he could be grabbing for the um, the sole starter role at that number nine spot. I think um, just for for anyone listening, we were me and Nathan were watching this game on Saturday, 
um, where they were playing um, Bristol City. Um, and we were noting that, we noted last week um, that DK is just a completely different striker than we have in the pool. Like that big, I mean, classic American striker almost. That big hold-up play striker who's just going to body people. Um, and then we were watching him play with Barnsley where every ball, it seemed like, was just like played up to him. He heads it on or heads it back or tests it or whatever and lays it off. Um, and like, I don't know. I feel like we think a lot of Josh Sargent being that type of striker, but he's just a lot more technical. I was not impressed by DK's technical ability. Let me just say that. Um, but um like we like if if we need that like big burly striker up top like 80th minute need someone in the box like he definitely has that role um coming off the bench for me right now yeah i mean and i think we said this last week he's if you're rooting for anyone to do well it's daryl dk um because he's that unique profile that we don't really have right now because he's got so much potential um, if he can put it all together. Um, so absolutely someone to root for. Um, if there's anyone to be rooting for, it's him, like I said. Um, but yeah, hopefully nothing but good things, but definitely not near the starting nine role right now. Um, has a lot, has, has a long way to go. Has a lot to prove before then. He needs to start scoring some goals. Hold up plays great, but he needs to start scoring. Which is the same thing with Josh, but I feel like Josh is just the eye test is a lot more there, you know. Well Josh is a better he's a better he is a great work rate, he's a better presser, and he's proved he can finish even if it's not as consistently as we'd like. Yeah. That that vertebra that vertebrament thing is just not creating a lot of chances anyway. Besides the point. Yes. Okay. Tim Weah. Um, got got the start in the Europa League. Um, scored the scored the only goal for Lille. Um, uh, he does he does he play for Lille? I just totally blanked on that. Yeah. Okay, I had that right. I, for some reason, I was like, yeah, is it Nice? It's not right. Nice. Lille. Okay. Wow, that was bad. Um, Tim Way scores again for Lille in the Europa League. Um, got that start. Had basically their only shot on target that whole game. Um, he has five starts this season, and in those five starts, he's scored four goals. Um, do you think he has locked down that right wing position, especially with with uh, Jordan Morris getting injured? I, I so I don't think there's an overreaction at all. Uh, I I'd, I'd say it's his now, especially that Jordan Morris, um, you know, towards ACL. Um, I mean, he's scoring goals. He looks dangerous on the ball. Um, he's a very technical guy. Um, I I don't know that I'd write him in as the every single game starter, but like, if I, I mean, out of the healthy um, crop of players right now, I I don't really think any you can argue that anyone's better than him uh, at that right wing position or or more equipped. Um, to take it on. So, yeah, for me, he's he's a starter. Yeah, put Tim Waya at that right wing position. Get some swagger over there. Get some get some pace and some goal scoring. 
So, someone, like we were saying earlier, someone to run in behind our striker. It's so weird that he's only a few months younger than me. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. And you look at college basketball rosters and soccer rosters, and you're like, wait a second. You guys, I'm older than what did way I, plenty of these people. What did I do? <laughs> Why is every college basketball player younger than me now? It's like... <laughs> It's, what am I doing? I feel so sad. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last but not least, Dwayne Holmes scores an absolute beautiful brace for Huddersfield, um, playing in a championship. Um, is he pushing it, himself back into the conversation for the U.S. national team for you? Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. So. Him, Dwayne Holmes, um, Julian Green, like legit, they all kind of play that same role to me where it's like they have limited ceiling, but they, they're they older, they, they bring more experience, um, and I, I don't really know. I, I So I'm not exactly as familiar as um, with probably I should be. Do you think he would be playing, would he be playing right wing or would he be a winger or do you think he'd be taking a, a cam role? Um, from what I have seen from him, he's a lot more of that eight. So he would basically be playing kind of a McKinney role. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's, I don't know. It's hard. Because then we're the my conversation my conversation starts to become okay. Legit, Julian Green, Dwayne Holmes. Um, the thing is, you've got to pick somebody. Like, you you can't. Like I was kind of talking about with Sebetu. Um, it's like, in in kind of alluding to earlier, it's like you've got to pick people. Like, you've got to you've got to split hairs somehow. And Burhalter has to decide who fits best into his system and who can do what he wants, like who's going to be able to best execute what Burhalter's wanting out of that position. And then you've got to pick it and you've got to live with it. Um, it's kind of the way I see is there is not space for all three of those guys on there, on on a national team. Uh, Dwayne Holmes, Julian Green, Sebastian Legette. There's just not room for three of them. I don't even know if there's room for two of them. So he certainly deserves to be in the conversation. I kind of like Dwayne Holmes. Uh, when he was kind of first getting his looks, the national team, like I, I was a fan. Um, but it's going to take a little bit more consistency out of him, and I don't know that he gets called up in March, so I think it's hard. I, I, I don't think I have a hard time. It, it's the same thing with me with Julian Green. Julian Green now has actually looked more consistent and been one of the best players in the Bundesliga two this season. Um, Whereas Dwayne Holmes, like, every so often gets a start for Huddersfield in the championship. Like, I don't know how you make how you make room for him without without taking out, like, Eunice Musa. Or, um, I, I'm trying to figure out who else we would really have in the eight. But if we have a three, three midfield, like, it could really change out a lot. But I don't know how he, like, he's 26 at this point. He's not a consistent starter in the championship. I don't think 
bearing some terrible injury plague that goes around the U.S. national team, that he gets a real look at the team again. Yeah, it's it's hard to see, isn't it? Um, Which I feel bad about because he's a good player. Uh, I mean, I I I feel where you're coming from when you say you feel bad, but I I don't know that we necessarily should like. I think the feel bad is kind of like, you know, I feel bad because three three years ago, 2018, to have Dwayne Holmes, who is kind of up and down in form in the championship, probably would have been. Uh, in starter or uh, of on the verge of uh, verge of being a locked in starter three years ago, but that's just it's not three years ago. Uh, um, so I think we kind of have to get used to the like, oh, just because you're owning in the MLS or you're playing decent time at a pretty good European club, you know. I'd, consider all championship teams pretty good um like just because you're doing that doesn't mean it now no longer means that you're you're locked in on a national team roster yeah just because uh, i mean we've the team just in this past two three years has come like the player pool has just come so much deeper and better which is a great problem but like, mm. there's players like Dwayne Holmes. Where I'm just like, man, I'm so excited for him. I want to be continue to be excited for him. Yeah, it's, I can't blame you for feeling bad, but it's it's something I think we're gonna have to get used to as well. Um, you know, the goal is is that someone like Dwayne Holmes in three years isn't even like not even on the radar of um, casual national team fans. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. tough one though. But, but so maybe what, it sounds like we kind of decide on that as a little bit of an overreaction to say he's pushing himself back into the national team conversation. Definitely is, but at least he's on our minds. At least he's doing something right there. We we yes. still we still remember you, Dwayne. All right, Nathan. I have an unplanned question. Final question to ask you. All right. Are you ready? Uh, I know, but I've got to be. <laughs> All right, Nathan. Current, who is your young player in Europe? Like, not West, not the mainstay names: Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, Christian Pulisic, whatever. Dust. Who is outside of those players? The player that you're most excited about coming up in 2021. I think. Oh, coming up in 20. I mean, as a purely as a player, I'd say Matthew Hoppy. Um, I mean, Schalke is going to get relegated. It's, you know, not even in question. Um, they're getting relegated. Um, and so he'll be down in the two Bundesliga. Um, kind of sounds like he's planning on staying, sticking around. But the thing that's so exciting for me, obviously he's burst onto the scene with those goals. Um, the thing that's so exciting for me is He's he looks like he's improving, and he looks like his understanding of himself in the game and how he fits into it is improving. Um, so, I, it, for me, it has to be Matthew Hoppy. Um, he's getting playing time. You're seeing improvement, and 
it's at a position of need um, at, as as number nine. Uh, the only other person who even came to my mind to consider um, was Brian Reynolds, um, but I think it's too early to be excited about him, especially given the fact that he's not even being put on the Roma roster. He just got, you know, not that we should really be upset about him being sent to the um, Olympic squad, but um, you know, obviously he's. It it doesn't seem like he's gonna get any real playing time with Roma anytime soon. So the mo- I, that's my answer. Um, even though he's going down to the two Bundesliga, um, and that's disappointing. Um, it's gotta be Matthew Hoppy. I have. The- I have two players. One of them, I feel like, is kind of a uh, cliche answer right now. The other one, maybe isn't. But, first off, Brendan Aronson. So excited for him. That's a good one. I, I, I totally, he slipped out of my brain. He he looks so good for mm-hmm. RB, RB uh, Salzburg. And that's not like a like a Easy to like, that's not like some nobody team. Mm-hmm. I'm They've sure, got a lot of players. Like, I, I would almost say he's like a lock in the starter almost right now. Would you? Maybe. Uh, lock in starter, no. He's got to do it at a higher level more consistently before he's a well, lock in starter. Not for a US team. Sorry, I, I should have been clear. Not for oh. a US team, but for RB Salzburg. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't pay enough attention to Irby Salzburg, but everything, all the reports are great on him. So, all right, second one, Taylor Booth. He's another. Are you aware of him? Yeah, the Bayern loanee yeah. in Austria. Loan to loan to Austria, playing for Saint Poulton. He has not played many games, but he has two assists already, playing in a team that he just came into. Which alone, I think, says speaks to the quality that he has as a player. So, I feel like the biggest thing that I'm worried about for the U.S. national team is who's backing up Weston McKinney, like in that depth role. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if we can have someone like, if we can get more options like that, like be excited about this 19-year-old who just like got a couple games in Austria. Um, like that's great. Those are my yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, that's our show for today. Um, thanks for uh, all all the all the conversation, Nathan. Absolutely. Thanks for setting it up and and getting everything uh, done on the uh, on the administrative end. So. Yeah. Well. Um, we'll see you in a week. Yeah, we'll see you in a week.